Welcome to Spring the Beacon with Ryan Rieger. Today we're playing Lego, and Daddy has other dice stay on my play Lego. Hey guys, welcome back to the Streams of Income radio show. I'm your host, Ryan Rieger, and today we are chatting with Kevin Amolsch of Pine Financial Group. He's out of the Denver, Colorado area, and he's a real estate investor. He started in the military, bought his first house, get this, using student loan money uh, to buy the first house. So incredible. I didn't even know that was even possible. And then uh, he got up to 55 units had a tough time in 2008 when the crash happened, but has built up an incredible business uh, with Pine Financial, still invests in real estate, but helps other people be able to invest in real estate and get a really good return. So Stephen, of course, was on with me as a co-host because he's my real estate guy. Uh, but this was an awesome interview. If you're interested in earning passive income through real estate, this is an episode for you. Here's Kevin. Kevin, welcome to Streams of Income. So good to meet you. What's up, guys? I'm happy to be here. Can't wait for the conversation. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I think we're going to enjoy this already. So you're in Colorado, right? I am. Yep. Right outside of Denver. So beautiful, man. Um, I'm in Texas. We didn't say that. And Stevens in St. Petersburg, Florida. So got it. But got a lot of family down in Texas. Oh, cool. Okay. Where at? Right in the Dallas area. Oh, that's where we are. Okay. What uh, what suburb were they in? Oh gosh, right in Dallas. And then there's some in Mesquite. And then what's that other one? Gosh, I can't remember. It's okay. Rollette? 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 Something yeah, like Rollette, yeah. Mm-hmm. Rollette. Yeah. Yep. I'm up in South Lake by the DFW airport. So it's all, all pretty close to your family there. Um, well, you came through a, a podcast booking agent. And I typically, I, I've accepted these a lot more because it's just fun especially if it's um you know some of the ones now that you have your podcast you're going to start getting guest recommendations you're like why is this person even messaging me it has nothing to do with my podcast or anything like that and most of these you're just going to delete but yours came through and anytime it's real estate i'm like this is cool because i don't bring i've done real estate before in the past um but it's just another dimension to what we typically talk about here on streams of income. And it's a definitely a stream of income. So it is. But I, as I said before, let's hear your story. Cause I love hearing people's stories. There's always golden nuggets that come out from it that uh, we'll just unearth. <laughs> yeah. So I'd like to go back to high school. And uh-huh. the reason I say that is because I hated school. Like I couldn't, I didn't Amen. want one more damn class. <laughs> But I didn't want to waste away my career, right? So, and then you 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 hear like you don't necessarily need college to be successful. And I was hearing some of these things, so I decided I did what anybody else would do and join the army. Um, but here's why I did that. You know, they got me. They got me because they said, "Look, we're going to pay you to play laser tag." Oh wow! So I was like, "Hell yeah, I'm in." <laughs> so where do I sign? Didn't turn out to be quite like that, but um, yeah, we spent. <laughs> We did spend quite a bit of time in the field. I was in infantry. Um, the thing about the military is if you're smart and frugal, you could have a little savings account going because mm-hmm. you don't have rent. You don't have mortgage payments. You don't have food expenses. Like everything's covered for you. So I yeah. started to, I decided to start researching where do I invest this money? And then you read the Rich Dad Poor Dads and, uh, yeah. and these, these books, right? Everything's saying real estate, real estate, real estate. So I, I bought a property, um, moved into it. Had a had a roommate pay my mortgage for me. That's awesome. Um, While you were in the military, about, 
So I bought it when I was in the military and he moved in. And then uh -huh. when I got out, I moved in and we were, we were roommates. Nice. So I was, I had the GI bill. I did go to school. Finally, um, I had the GI bill pay for, um, well, I was actually paying me every month. And then I had the national guard. I was in the guard at the time paying for my school, okay. but I still took out student loans. Yeah. Uh, I didn't need the student loan, but I used that for a down payment on another property and then rented out my initial one. Brought my roommate. Wait, 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 you, you, okay, we make sure I understand. You took out student loans that came to you instead of uh, instead of investing it in college. You were you were able to use that as a down payment on a home. That's right. That's incredible. <laughs> like I didn't even know you could you? do that. Yeah. Low interest rate, tax deductible debt. You know, wow. Great. Turns out I paid it off before all this loan forgiveness. So there's that. Oh no. <laughs> I actually paid off. Is that okay? So can I was real quick. This is why how I said before, I have no idea where this is going to go and I will get back to your story, but I want to ask yeah. you a question. Can somebody still do that today? I think so. Yeah. Really? I don't know why not. Yeah, I mean, if, if the student loan comes to you and not the school, you could, I think you could use it for whatever you want. Wow. I, mean, I wouldn't suggest not paying for your classes. Right, 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 uh, right. But if you got that covered and, and you can get some, whenever you can get access to capital in real estate, well, anything really, if you have access to the capital, it creates options for you. Absolutely. Okay. That's awesome, by the way. Okay. Keep going. All right. So <laughs> moved out. The worst tenant in my entire life was that very first one. Learned so much from it. Yeah. But that's totally how it is. It. Yeah, exactly right. Well, you learned the lesson, right, Steve, that you have to actually screen tenants. Yeah. yeah I didn't you don't know, know any that. of that stuff. You go, I go to, <laughs> whatever the paper supplier is and get a standard that's filling right. for i'll get a sign i'll put sign out put my number out there they just yeah that little tiny four print sign and, and exactly <laughs> right the, the notepad with leases it's a pretty common theme when you get started everybody has that same like origin story going through that you want to pay me rent to live here yeah you, where, do, <laughs> where do i sign right so they they moved in um I don't know. We can go into that story if you'd like, but it was a nightmare. Uh, but that was my first investment. And I saw that my value was going up in my property. My tenant was paying off my mortgage for me. I was making cash flow. It was like $400 a month, which is, which nice. is pretty good on a rental yeah, property. Very good. Especially the first um, one. The very first one. Um, I was like, you know what? This thing, this thing actually works. The books are telling me the truth. Like I can really be rich if I focus on this. Mm -hmm. So I really started focusing and I had my stint in foreclosure investing, which was a disaster. Um, and then I learned, I learned how to negotiate with owners. So mm -hmm. my passion was finding the motivated seller, mm -hmm. sitting down in their living room, like negotiating Steven. a deal. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. And I started Same side of the table instead of the opposite side exactly. of the table. Exactly. Yeah. All of the neuro-linguistic programming. sounds like you studied some of that. Yes, sir. All of that. It's fun. It, it was just, it was a, a real uh, joy for me to do that. And I started buying mm -hmm. one or two properties a month. And so that's how I ended up turning this into a career. Wow. But it's interesting because to find motivated sellers, and Steve knows this, this is hard. You bought one, wait, right? wait you bought not. one or two properties a month? Yeah, I was buying one or two a month. Mm -hmm. And I did that for years. Like while I was in college, I was working in the evenings. I got so lucky, you guys. I got this job at a bank where um, I, would, I was negotiating loans, like auto loans and credit cards and that kind of thing at the bank. But it was all over the phone and it was all inbound. So while I was sitting there waiting for the phone to ring to, to speak with a client, mm -hmm. I was able to, to study. Oh, oh. <laughs> I thought oh, wow. you were doing outbound I wasn't, calls. I was not doing that. I, <laughs> I was like, actually, oh, like, <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off, but you were, you were studying. That's <laughs> probably I got my schoolwork done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
So I used I used the, the time between classes, like as I was walking across campus and my breaks and lunches at work to make those phone calls. And then on the weekends, I'd go out on the appointments and I'd hang my signs. I did a lot of, yeah. we call them bandit signs. We'd hang those up and all my direct mail campaigns and all that was on the weekends. But wow. um, yeah, it was, it was wow. great. I, was, I know you're probably, we'll probably talk about this, but can you give a short answer to how are you able to buy one to two per month? Yeah. So it was crazy because no cash, no credit, right? I was yeah. in college. I was literally eating top ramen in my refrigerator was a keg of beer and a can of green beans. And like, that's it. And I, when I, I remember date, I was dating this girl and she came over and opened the fridge and she saw beans and a and beer and that was all. <laughs> but we're, pro, we're broke, right? So the way I did it is negotiating with owners. You don't need cash or credit. You don't need any of that. If you know how to structure a deal with terms and the and the seller participation is what creates that. Yeah. So you just got to find the right seller financing. To to. Exactly. It's all yeah. seller financing. Wow. Wow. And you didn't have to put any money down on those? Um, the only, the only money I actually put down, that was my own money was that very first property I bought. Wow. That's incredible. And that was school loan money. <laughs> oh, that was the second one, right? Oh, so that wow. was school loan money. So. <laughs> wow. One to two per month. Okay. So we were, we were buying one to two per month and you got, you're living on beans and beer. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Top ramen also, but that was in the right? cupboard, right? Okay. And what's next after that? Um, well, that's how I got going. And then, wow. I don't know if you want to go back to the foreclosure stuff, but I just, I, I fell in love with the financing side. You'll learn this and we'll probably talk about this, but in real estate, the uh-huh. deal structure, the way you negotiate it, the way you communicate with the seller uh-huh. has everything to do with how you plan to finance it. It uh-huh. always comes down to the uh-huh. financing. Uh-huh. So I fell in love with the financing side and uh-huh. became a mortgage broker before the SAFE Act and there's no licensing. And, and that I was as a mortgage broker, as all of that started to be implemented and it just became too challenging for me. So I just yeah. focused in on the private money side. Okay. I needed control of my business. So I wanted to service the loans and I wanted to underwrite the loans. I wanted to be the one to make the decisions. So I just started bringing in private capital and I would loan it out to real estate investors, which is exactly what I understood. Mm. Wow. And, that, and that's what I do today. How many did you, um, how many, I guess you call them doors, right? When you, you're buying properties, how many did you have when you moved, made the transition over to focusing on the financing side? Yeah, we didn't call them doors back then, um, but <laughs> sure, I had fifty-five units, wow. and that was leading right up to the crash. Like I had fifty-five doors when two thousand eight hit, and and everything just started crumbling in around me. So that was a a very challenging time that I'm so grateful for. Mm. I think this is another thing to point out. As I talk to more investors, I try to see if they went through that recession or that downturn. I started investing when I was 16. Um, wow. I actually partnered up with my cousin to buy my first part, uh, property. I actually had better credit than him at 16 <laughs> than he did That's at great. 19, which is crazy. But um, going through the recession, having some like scars, being able to like see problems and be able to solve them and have the fortitude to hang in there. This is like, uh, I don't know how to point this out, but when I'm looking to invest now, these are the people that I'm looking to do deals with or borrow money from instead of like the newcomers that are coming in or that rode up this long um, run up that we've had. Cause I'm starting to realize like, Oh, now that things are getting a little tougher now, it makes it even harder to do deals with these Amateurs, I guess, lack of a better word. I'm sure there's a nicer word to say it, but professionals versus amateurs are just people with experience is the other thing that I'm yeah. identifying as I'm doing a lot more deals. But mm-hmm. you saying that you've been through that crash and you're still here 
speaks volumes. I just want to point Absolutely. that out to people listening that when you're hearing people or listening to people, just see who that information is coming from and what experience they have. Somebody like you, I would trust way more than somebody that's, oh, I just started 10 years ago or five years ago and I'm crushing it. Just like, okay, let's well, see yeah, over the next is. couple of years. What? Ha- yeah, <laughs> it's, it's hard to lose when the elevator's going up so fast. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so true. Wow. Man, um, what'd you learn from that? Like, what are some of the lessons? Because I mean, we have a lot of people listen to this episode or these this show, and they're not necessarily real estate investors, but they are looking for ways to make money um, passively or invest. But um, so even if they never have a desire to go into real estate, um, you've got some lessons that you learned there that are applicable to other people's businesses. So what are some of those things you learned from going through that? Yeah, we'll start with the the, the biggest one. It's the biggest mistake of my life and my, my business life. Um, so I, I had an ego and, and I, I, I was popular at the associations and that kind of thing because I was doing deals, right? So everyone wanted to talk to me and that felt good. So I'd like to go out to these events and say, I have so many units. And, and you hear people talk about this all the time. Um, they're so proud of how many deals they've done or how many doors, as you say, they yeah. own or control. So for me, I was stuck on that one to two deals a month target. And so the mistake I made was my goal setting. The questions we ask ourselves and the goals we present to ourselves are so much more important than most people even give it credit for. Like someone like us that are listening to this episode or on this call now, we're high achievers and we set goals and we do whatever we freaking can to get to those goals. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening to this, I know that's you. And so if you're setting goals that don't serve you, you're going to go after those goals no matter what. So my goal is one deal a month, let's say. And now all of a sudden I'm doing marginal deals just so I could hit this goal. Mm -hmm. My thought is for, especially for the newer folks, and this doesn't, this isn't just real estate, but if you're doing action oriented goals instead of results focused, I think you're going to be far more successful. The results will follow. Preach. uh, I mean, that's my mistake. I mean, I set inappropriate goals because I wanted to look cool. Mm. Yeah, a lot of times people ask, like, it's a common question, I think, when you go and just are in real estate circles, is how many houses do you own? How many doors? I tend not to answer. And when you're doing a bunch of deals, especially what you're doing deals with people, like, you can claim a bunch of doors, but it doesn't really mean much. And I think, like you, I, I'm trying to avoid the ego look at me person. And I'd hate being that. I'd almost rather you go talk to somebody else because the people that I learned from are in their eighties and nineties and have passed on now, where it's just like, I know how ignorant I am. Like I've done a lot of things, but <laughs> if you were to ask me a question, I go, you got to talk to them. They have the answers, but that is a very common thing in the real estate space where it's just like mm-hmm. pumping chest or just like, yeah. look at me more than anything. I don't know if that is a trap or not, but it's interesting to see like the other side of it. If you've identified as that and now you go, it doesn't matter. Is that just a, a longevity thing you think experience yeah it's 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 being a millionaire before i'm 30 and then losing everything you know mm. so that i think yeah, that, okay there it is yeah. <laughs> the up and the down side the down, i think if yeah. You, yeah okay but <laughs> yeah look, i've had I, a lot I of those down pieces where i'm just like oh okay maybe i'm not as great as i thought i was <laughs> that's right that's right but it's so funny but you could be a million it's not that hard i mean you could be a millionaire it, real estate creates a so easy it's so easy but yeah. it's all equity right yeah. you mm-hmm. can't go out and buy a beer you can't eat it, equity you can't no it doesn't so i i think about that a lot now like 
what's the true equity and what's my true net worth. So I, I track that and I do all that. And I'm pretty conservative when I'm doing my tracking, but you got to have access to capital also. And you don't have access to your equity. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might think you do, but wait until the market shifts and then, then tell me. Um, but so, and I don't want to be too hard on people that talk about their, their success because I'm, I'm proud of them and I want to see that. Sure. So I didn't mean to be too hard on anybody. And the number no, of I think you were saying it from a boastful standpoint versus like just exactly. reality of, Bingo. Bingo. Mm. Wow. I didn't so mean to cut you of, off. You were saying the transition. No, no, it's all good. good. No, I, that's, you, you said it for me. Thank you. That's exactly <laughs> what I was trying to say. I mean, I'm, I, you tell me how many deals you do, and I'm proud of you for that. And, and, and maybe or maybe not we want to work together because of your success. But I, I just don't want to hear, like, I don't want to hear the bragging and the ego. There's a book which I haven't read. I can't believe I'm just bringing this up and I haven't even read it. But a lot of people in the peer groups I'm in have read it, and it's called "The Ego Is the Enemy." Um, and and they've I've seen the shifts in them from that book. So that interesting. It's on my list. It's just right. you know, as an entrepreneur, we you have, have a very long list of books all, right? to read. Yeah, don't exactly. We? Oh yeah. my goodness. So how did you shift um, from the uh, and, and when you did the finance? Because I want to get into like what you're doing now, the real the lending funds and all of that. Uh, so went through 2008, and then you're focusing more on financing. So tell me about that journey and what you're. Yeah, and I still doing. invest quite a bit, um, but the the private lending side, I just I just love because I could bring in private capital and pay you know a nice steady consistent return, bring some stability to a portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the the syndication like you probably have a lot of syndicators come on and they're talking about these. 20, 30% returns and all of these because they're buying so many doors and all this. This isn't like that. This is not a home run type of investments. It's a, it's a conservative, safe, steady return, but it's fantastic for a lot of people. And then on the other side, I'm able to loan this money out to people who fix and flip houses or do commercial repositioning or maybe some new construction. They're adding value to the community. They're adding value to their pocketbook. So I get to help them make money and them make money. So this is like, this is the business that I love. Yeah. Do you have to be and accredited to be at all? Estate, Do you have right? to be an accredited investor to invest with you? No, right. Actually, what we did was we, we've had, we have four funds. We had, yeah, we have four funds now. This is our fifth. We closed one down. So we have five funds or four funds. Uh-huh. Check it. We started at five. We have four. See if I can get this right. All the other ones are equity investments. So what that means is they, when they invest in the PPM or they invest in the LLC, they are part owner of that group, that entity. So you're along, you're along for the ride ups and downs. You get Mm -hmm. to participate as we go. Now there's a, there's a preferred return and there's all these things to help, but look, you're, if, if there's trouble, you participate in that. What we decided to do was do a debt offering on this next one. And we went public. So we went through the SEC to do a regulation a, which all that means is it's, it's a lot of offer public. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, but it's it's debt. So now I could promise a return, right? So I could say, I'm going to pay you 8% return and it's something that you can count on. Uh, and it's liquid. You can get your money out, you can put it in. Oh, wow. um, so that that's how that's how we decided to go because it's much easier to advertise, which we're allowed to do now, if yeah. I could advertise a return. Yeah. So many- like even just a, so a quick, quick question. So, so somebody who's not necessarily a savvy investor could give you a thousand bucks or do they, is there a certain minimum, minimum or anything like that? Yeah. So we had a 25,000 minimum and I even thought that was too low. Um, and the reason I say that is because a lot of the, the smaller investors, they, they're more, uh, how do I say this nicely? I know what you mean. <laughs> Call. 
Well, they're going to be calling, where's questions. my money, Kevin? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. A little bit more maintenance. You maintenance. Know? Yeah, that's the, that's the correct That's word. a good word. Yeah. Um, but, but look, I want to try to help as many people as we can. And so when the stock market started crashing a couple of years ago, we decided to lower uh, our investment amount. So it's 10,000. And okay. just like I expected, those, those are the ones that they just need the money. Like, Oh, I have a furnace that went out. Now I need my money back. You know, that kind of thing. So yeah. it's not exactly what we're looking for, but I do sure. want to help as many people. Yeah. As we can. And the return, you say 8% on that? 8%. Yeah. That's pretty cool. How many funds have you done and started to get to this point where you're taking one public? Yeah, so this is our fifth mortgage fund. I've done one syndication on a land deal. Um, so it's, that's very similar. It's still is that how it good. started with a syndication? Then you started putting funds together? No, I did the syndication later. Um, I, okay. I, I started Pine and I was just brokering individual investor with an individual investor, I guess. Private money investor with a real estate investor. Mm. I just brought them together and charged a fee. It's a funny story. So apparently you have to be licensed to do that. And I didn't yeah, I was going to so. ask. <laughs> <I was> gonna, <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> this is what I'm just now learning and facilitating some of that. I was doing yeah. it through contracts where I'd have an option or something else, but um, I knew that you couldn't just broker it because you need a broker's license, but right. uh, I learned some workarounds. But continue. I apologize. Well, so that, that's a funny story. I got an, invited into the state's uh, regulation office. <laughs> so, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so in, in business, you have these, right? You have you have challenges. If you don't have challenges, then you're not. I don't believe you could be you're successful. Not so yeah. that's right. Mm-hmm. You know what I love about that, Kevin, is like you, there's so many entrepreneurs I know that would just be like, "Ooh, that's scary. I don't want to do that. Let's let's figure out. Let's let's have everything, all the dots connected before I take action." You're like, yeah, "I'm just going to do this." Like, "Ooh, I didn't know I couldn't do that. Let's you know, <laughs> now let's pivot." Hey, you just did it. I love that about you. And Steve yeah. and I are kind of more that way. We we do that and then figure out what did we end up doing. Um, exactly. and, you so know, we funny. make mistakes, but we just take, we're action takers. Yeah. yeah. I think that's how you'd be successful. I try to tell my clients and, you know, we do a lot of education through the YouTube and the podcasting and I speak a lot and I try to tell everybody like, you have to make a mistake. Like you, you're not taking action because you're afraid of the mistake. But if you could shift your focus and realize that you have to make that mistake to be successful, mm-hmm. it's easier to just go out and do it, right? Yeah. Let's just go out and make that mistake. I know I have to do it. So let's just get it done. Yeah. And so I, that's how I like to think about it. And it's all part of the learning process too. Yeah. That's yeah awesome. It all sounds good in theory, but when the rubber meets the road, that's where you really learn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Wow. And people, and you know this, when you're the seminar junkies, right? They go, they'll never do a deal, but they want to learn everything they possibly can. And analysis by paralysis or whatever you call it. But um, I I really caution people to do that. I I think if you go to it, if you spend money on a seminar or I even did it with a book, if you read a book or go to a seminar event, do one, just one thing that you learned out of that, go and do it. Mm. Don't pick up another book until you do it. Pick up a, a nonfiction if you, if you really enjoy reading, but don't move on from that one. Right. Well, that's good. You wrote a book talking about books, 45 day investor, how to buy an investment property with nothing down in 45 days or less. Now I knew like before 2008, that was a lot. I mean, people were talking about that. So this, you were just cash past back. 2008. Cash back on how do people deals. do that now? Yeah, What's too. the, without, I mean, I don't want to, don't give up all your secrets. So I want people to go buy your book, but what are some of the ways to actually still accomplish that now? 
Well, it's it's been tough to do the owner financing stuff in the last several years. And it didn't make a ton of sense because you could borrow a three and 4%. So that if you can go get that money, you should get that money, right? Mm-hmm. So we were seeing that people go that direction. Now you hear the words like house hack and, and burr and short-term rentals. And you hear all of these things that people are, are doing, but all of that's going away. What you're going to see come back is the owner carry lease options, subject twos. It's coming. It's starting. It's starting already. And that's going to happen. Are you saying that's happening because the interest rates are starting to increase? Is that why that's coming back into play? Yeah. Banks are getting harder to. Yeah. Exactly. Well, three, I guess, if you talk about the credit crunch, because we are in a credit crunch, but if you have elevated interest rates and little equity, because we have seen softening, that's when the owner carry stuff works perfectly. Interesting. Well, give me an example of what a deal like that might look like. I know every deal is different. Steven's telling me like every situation is different. Um, you know, what's an example? Maybe one of the deals you did before that, you know, people wrap their heads around what it looks yeah, like. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just thinking of Julie for, for this example. And I don't know why she popped in my head, in my head, but so she, her son got diagnosed with autism and she wanted to be home with him. So she decided that buying rental property would create that freedom for her. The problem with rental properties, and this is one of those myths that people don't really share, it's really, really hard to make a living on cash flow from rental properties. You need to find other ways to bring in cash. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll make you rich, but it's a long game, right? I'm not trying to discourage anyone from buying rentals. I think you absolutely should have that in your portfolio, but it's not going to create the, the wealth and the freedom day one like people expect. And so she bought into this, well, I'll just create this cash flow. And it wasn't creating the cash flow. In fact, it was negative at times because of maintenance and, and turnovers and all of these things. So she she started going backwards from her goal and mm-hmm. she was desperate to take care of, of her son. Mm-hmm. So I ended up buying a handful of properties from her oh, wow. uh, and she, she didn't have equity because it just wasn't enough time to accumulate that equity. The market was rather flat at that time. Um, so I was able to, we did lease options on all of those. Um, I was able to lease the property, basically guarantee that her mortgage payment would be covered. Yeah. And I would sell the property on a rent to own, which is different than a regular rental. So I could increase the rent amount. And I was able to produce a little bit of cash flow. Was great. Yeah. And then I was able to avoid the maintenance. So it was a win for me because I had a little bit of cash flow and I was creating equity as yes. a property and value. Solved her problem. And I solved her problem. Oh, that's so cool. Wow. I love that. Well, uh, how do you, I mean, give, other than just going around, like Steven talks about, he goes around and knocks on doors and meets neighbors. Awesome. And what's the best way to find some, find a Julie? Yeah. So the first thing when you're, when you start talking about marketing is you got to know what your, who your target is. And, mm-hmm. and that's where people miss. They say, well, I'm just going to hang up signs, but okay. What are you looking for? <laughs> right. Because the messaging and the placement of those signs are very dependent on what kind of a deal you're trying to to attract. So yeah. I would definitely start, take a step back and say, what kind of deal you want? do you want to do? If you want to do a Julie deal, like a lease option, then you're looking for pretty homes in nice areas with little or no equity. Mm. So I'm not attacking the foreclosure list. I'm not attacking the, the probate lists. Mm. I'm not doing any of those. What I'm doing is I'm looking for landlords. Here's, the, here's how I did it. So I would do landlords because I'm looking for the landlord by default. Right. I can't sell it because I don't have enough equity and I have to move. So now I have two payments. I need to satisfy this payment pressure. So defaulted landlords is a great way to go. Um, I really love stale listings. So a stale listing is 
let's say you uh, a seller signs up with an agent to list the house and they have a six month listing Mm -hmm. and there's not enough equity in the property to bring the price down to where it's going to sell with an agent, pay all the commissions and all of that stuff. Mm. So they leave it at a certain price and they just, they're just praying and hoping. Well, after six months, what happens is all of the real estate agents in town are going to start calling them and sending them mail and they're trying to get the listing, right? Didn't work with this guy. I'm way better. Let me list it. Right. That's how that works. And they don't want to list it to sell it. They want to list it so they can put their sign in the yard and that's advertising for them. Right. Mm. So, so for me, I'm not licensed. So I can advertise to that seller before it expires. Once no agent is allowed to advertise to someone that's already represented. So that's a no, no. Right. So not being licensed has some advantages. That's cool. So let's say three months, four months into a listing, I just start hitting them with letters every week. They'd get a letter from me. I don't want to buy, I don't want to list your house. I want to buy it. No listing. I want to buy it. And so I would get phone calls that way. And those lists are so easy to get. You can get them for free. Think about an agent. It takes them five minutes to pull that list and they can send it to you and they'll give it to you for free because look, I have, I'm meeting with a lot of motivated sellers. I can't help everybody. I mean, there's some situations where they really truly need a real, a good real estate agent. I bet you're the real estate agent they need. How about I just send you all of those referrals? Mm. All I want in return is these lists. So it's easy to get it for free, right? That's so cool. In trade. It's trade. Wow. Love it. Where would you have somebody And Steve? I know you probably got some questions like on your sheet here. We talk about creative real estate financing. Um, I mean, maybe we kind of covered that with the seller financing. Um, but as for, for somebody who's thinking about getting involved in real estate, would um, reading your book maybe be one option if they're wanting to be the landlord, if they don't want to have anything to do with that, they just need to work with you as here's my 10 grand. I want to make that safe 8%. Is that basically kind of the two options? That you see? Well, it's interesting you ask that because the, the 45 day investor doesn't have anything to do with hard money or private money. So my my lending company is all about fix and flips. And we do a lot of burr strategies. So people that want to acquire properties and keep them long term, but they're going to be signing on debt. They're taking on loans. Um, the 45 day investor is highly focused on the lease option. So I would not participate in that at all. I wrote that book because I was getting so much pressure. How are you buying a house a month? How are you buying two houses in this month? How are you doing it? I was getting asked that over and over and over. And I was like, why don't I just write it down? So that's yeah. why I, that's why I wrote the book. It doesn't help Pine Financial at mm. all. But if you're, lo- if you're limited on cash and limited on resources and you want to get into this game, lease options might be a good way to, for your entry. Yeah. And if that's the case, then I would definitely okay, explain that. So I know Stephen knows that and I feel like I understand that. But so for somebody who's like, what's a lease option? Just break that down. Yeah, it's exactly what I did with Julie. So I'm, I'm going to come in, I'm going to lease the property for you for a set price, make mm-hmm. sure it covers whatever we need to cover, right? Um, yep. And then it's, it's interesting because there's so many different variations here. I've paid less than what covered the mortgage and had them pay me the difference on occasions. Wow. And I, just like Steven, I've gotten, I've had people pay me to I take you the lose less to their D. De- exactly. That's um, exactly right. I've had people sign me the deed to their house over to me and give me a check at the same closing. Oh my goodness. That. Wow. So it's, it's a lease option a would be like you're leasing the house with the option to buy it at a certain then you point. Are, yeah. And then Sorry, you just that had that track. person that was doing the um the rent to own and they're the ones that are actually buying it. That's right. Yep. Nice. Yeah, and, and in that book, we, we talk about like specific language to use to negotiate these deals, which I haven't read that in any other book. 
Like mm-hmm. these, this are the, these are the words I use when I'm negotiating this. Yeah. And then the, the, the scripts and the forms and all that. So my idea was really to make it, if you buy the book, you can go out and do a deal in 45 days or less. Yeah. I wanted to put it all in there. Yeah. Um, now that's hard because that, that means that you're not going to have your little blankie with you, right? You're not going to have <laughs> someone holding your hand. You're going to actually have to go out and make step this happen. Out. Yeah. Step right. out. Mm. So cool. Stephen, what questions do you have? I know you can go deep and ask all kinds yeah, that, of questions. That's where all of my questions are going to go. Feel, I don't feel know if free to do it. This is, this okay. is your time. <laughs> well, the funds is what I'm super interested in because I do, um, the more I learn, I think being a fund manager suits my knowledge, skills, and what I enjoy. <clears throat> I just want to hear about that story of like, how did you get to, from whatever you did first to like spark that interest of being, I'm assuming you're a fund manager or at least participating yes. in those funds. And then how, what was that journey to get to yeah. where you're at now to go in public? So I started Pine Financial in 2008. And the reason that year, this year is so important and you're going to find a lot of people started their businesses in this time. The reason for that is I was doing this business in 2006 leading up to the crash. Now, when the crash hit, my partner at the time, I actually worked for her. We weren't like equity partners, but she was my mentor and we worked very closely together. She decided I would rather teach real estate than do real estate. Um, She was very good at that. So she wanted to split off and that's why I started my company. So it was something I was already doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I brought a lot of investors that I that I built relationships with when I worked with Susan over to Pine Financial. And within one year, it was like six months later, um, of course, I had to deal with the state of Colorado first. And then once I got through that, the feedback was, <laughs> I want liquidity. I want diversification and I need a smaller investment amount. Because remember, it was one investor to one investor. So if it's a $200,000 loan, you have to fund the entire thing or I can't work with you. So I, I took those that feedback and I... I went and started, I hired an attorney and I went and started my first fund. Now I screwed that all up, right? So they first were making, yeah, they were making yeah. way more money than I was. <laughs> so I, I closed that and started my second one with some adjustments. I started charging a management fee, for example. So I, I was like, I, this is a lot of work. I'm going to not only get paid on the fees I charge my borrower, but I want to make a little bit of managing, a management fee for managing your money. Yeah. So then we, we did that fund. And we hit our, our threshold of 35 non-accredited investors. So a lot of the Reg Ds will allow up to 35 non-accredited. Once you hit that, in order to stay compliant, you got to shut it down. Don't raise any more money. So then we had to start another fund. And then I tweaked it a little bit more. So for example, I... And with those, we, you can't do any marketing, correct? These are just relationships and... Exactly. Okay. Okay. Now you're allowed to market your company and what you do, but you can't make an offer in the mm-hmm. fund, right? Mm-hmm. So it's tricky. I can get up on stage and say, hey, I raised private money. I lend it out to real estate investors. Talk to me. Okay. Yeah, that's the great part, right? I'm not <laughs> yeah. supposed to say that. Yeah. I'm just say what I do. And if they're interested, they will- Oh, you can't- e- Oh, okay. Okay. My, okay. my attorney said, don't, don't, that sounds too much like an offer. You cannot make an offer. And uh, I've already, I'm already under the magnifying glass, right? I've already went through that. <laughs> so I'm like- Straight arrow here. You're on the radar, yeah. Bernie <laughs> says, no, I ain't doing it. Okay. And then the, you, you got to build the relationship. So yeah. some people will say, well, you got to go have two coffees. You got you to know their kids' names. or You don't need <laughs> any of that. What you need to do is get a questionnaire filled out. So you know their financials, you know, their, if they're accredited, non-accredited, income, that kind of thing. Do they have the ability to make the investment? My attorney tells me if I get that document filled out, I have built the relationship. So you have like an onboarding process and that is the same for 
securing yourself by getting it documented through that process. Exactly. You have to do that. If you're going the private offering route, which I would recommend when you're starting out, then you have to have a questionnaire done and they have to have, you can't be taking on non-accredited, non-sophisticated. Those are two different things. Investors into your fund, you can't do it. So they either have to be accredited or sophisticated. And if they're sophisticated, you can only take 35 non-accredited. Yes. These are things that I'm becoming aware of. I just don't know where the lines are, how to draw that, or even how to like get my foot in the door. But Mm. I guess it's similar to business. You're looking for the ideal client, the correct avatar, Mm. how to get in front of them and then have an onboarding. But it seems like the onboarding is capturing that questionnaire is a very important part for documentation. For sure. Okay. Having a quick idea. and questionnaire. Those are the two uh, like, Okay. Let's say, start. for example, so you're talking about people, because I this sounds like this, I'm actually in a fund like that. I have a friend oh, who told about his family, told his family and friends. Um, we could we could invest any amount that we were comfortable with. And so I'm familiar with this, but just thinking, just making a connection here. I don't know if this is even possible, um, but like, since you have this, all this know-how, could somebody like Steven, who has a group of friends that want to invest money, kind of come under your umbrella for the first fund? Because those are those are people you're never going to get anyway, except for the new fund that you've got. Um, but are that are those relationships, those kind of things ever done where, hey, Kevin, me and my 10 friends want to invest money. I'll be, I'll kind of learn from you as the fund manager. You're going to get a cut of this because I'm kind of learning from you, using your documents. Are those things ever done in this world? I think they're done a lot in the syndication world. So you'll have fundraisers and you'll, you'll have sponsor fees and you'll have things uh-huh. that you could pay out like that. Uh-huh. In this world, it's a little bit tougher because it, it, it's, it's more regulated, especially on the public, uh, the public fund. Uh-huh. So if we're going to pay any kind of fees surrounding the fund at all, you're really supposed to have a securities license because you're selling the security. So to to bring a group in and you can invest in a group, we have had a few people do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's weird, quite honestly. But <laughs> if you wanted to do that, then your your benefit would be through the management fees of the little group, right? That yeah. you put together, and it yeah. couldn't come from us. Yeah. Okay. okay. Just wondering if there's a way for Stephen to kind of glean knowledge from you without uh, and you getting a piece of the deal because he's learning underneath you. So you just need a course or a mentoring program he can pay you for. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Stephen, give me a call. I'm happy to help you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because it's exciting, but I do feel like super overwhelmed of just like, I don't even know who these people are. And the more like hedge fund guys I talk to, I go, oh, there's like two schools of doing this. There's the traditional way where you go to school, you work on a bank, and then you work for somebody. And then there's like, I don't know, I'm calling them rogue investors, where it's like you, where it's like you're just going through and figuring it out where the hedge fund guys go like it's impossible you can't do that this is the only way to do it i'm like yeah but i've seen other people do it i just don't understand or even knew what questions to ask them at what time so just finding more people like you is very exciting to me to go like there's another example it is possible i'm not crazy i don't know how to do it yet but i know it's just a matter of time before yeah. i can put some of that stuff so here's in. the advice on that you're going to be the creative mind right you have to be you're the entrepreneur you're the designer but you need to have a team behind you or it won't be successful. Yeah, and that's where so you I need to have <laughs> you need to have a good securities attorney that will listen to your ideas and come up with how to stay safe. <laughs> that's good. Is there other key team members that you would recommend or how would I even go about finding those people just cold calling? Yeah, so I've 
my securities attorney, I'd be happy to refer you, but he's very specific in the private lending space. So I don't know. I don't, you're not going to be lending the money, right? It's just like a, I have no idea. Type I, I, okay. I have a couple of ideas. Lending is one of them, but I don't think that was the main focus of what I was trying to do. There's a couple of funds that I see that buy real estate all over the place. And because right. we travel a bunch and we're doing stuff, I would like to find some tie to make those two work. But that wouldn't be lending. That would be something else. Yeah. So we call those type of funds blind funds. So they're blind because you haven't not identified the asset yet. So you could put, I mean, those are easy to put together and you could even test the waters with some of this stuff. So you mm-hmm. could, before you have file and spend all the money, you could do a little bit of advertising. So this would be on a 506C. I don't know if you want to write that down, but 506C allows advertising, but it's accredited investors only. Okay. And then you I know test the waters. Isn't there subs under that too, the 506 506- C, A, or B, or one of those has like a two separate sub categories under those that I was. That's one I don't know. I'd okay. have to call my attorney about that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's all very. There's new. a tier one, tier two in the reg A's. So you have two tiered in the reg A, but I don't know about okay. the 506 C. I think it's just 506. There's A, B, and C. I don't think there's more. Oh, I don't think I... Okay, maybe that's what it is. Is the I'm thinking A, B, and C, but you're saying the C is the determination for it. The C is the one that you could test the water. So if okay. you want to see if you could actually bring in the capital, that's the one you should go for. Okay. Okay. This is awesome for you and Steven. Yeah. <laughs> uh, real quick, that's why I said, I know this um, is probably not good for your audience. No, but no, no, I, no. It's totally fine. What I'll do is that Kevin, tell us where we, where you want people to go to find you and then we'll end the interview and then you guys can chat a little bit more if you want to, depending <laughs> on your time, great. Kevin, but where's the, where's the best place to have people find Pine Financial, your new podcast and all that? So the new podcast, I have no idea because we haven't released one episode yet. So <laughs> okay. we'll talk about that maybe next time if you invite me back. Okay, cool. That For one. sure. But uh, the, uh, look, you should we're call it the Blind to... Fund Podcast. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, so we're going through some a, kind of a challenging time in the economy right now. We're definitely experiencing a shift, whether we're in a recession, past a recession, or a recession is coming. There's something there. Um, and a lot of people are comparing it to 2008, which I think is silly. It, there's no resemblance to 2008, but it does resemble after the savings and loan crisis when the RTC came in and started mm-hmm. liquidating mm-hmm. Uh, savings and loans of banks. Uh, high inflation, high interest rates, that's the environment. So I, I really studied that time period and the, the housing correction that happened in the early 90s. And so I'm comparing that to today so that we can make good decisions on what on how to protect ourselves and, and what investments to make. So I wrote a pretty lengthy report about that. I can give it away to your yeah. audience. Yeah. Um, it's thepinereport.com. So thepinereport.com. They could download that for free. Okay. Um, otherwise, the best way to reach me if you're interested in the fund or if you're an investor looking to buy properties um, is pinefinancialgroup.com. Got it. Awesome. And that's for both if they're interested in the fund and or being a individual looking to buy or lend? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'll get okay. directed. Once you go there, you can find information on either side of the business. Awesome. Kevin, this is awesome. Thank you so much for being on. And, uh, Thanks, Ryan. We'll, uh, we'll have, let me know when you want to come back on. This has been fun for me and definitely got no fun for Steven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, so, it's so different and refreshing when there's two hosts. I, yeah. I should maybe do that for my... My sure. but it's a lot of fun when there's a little bit more you know a little bit more yeah i knew dialogue. he'd be good on this so kevin thanks for being on with us bye bye everyone see you next week